2: what up what up we're back it's golden spaces an odyssey original pod an odyssey original podcast look at me um i'm so used to saying with justin and nat and that is the typical host but we have a special co-host today charlie cummings you need to go back and listen to the first segment if you didn't catch it to hear everything about him but he's great and i'm so happy he's joining me today um we've been chopping it up about this uh Cleveland Cavaliers game last night that the Warriors matched up with they won by five apparently Justin predicted that see you got profits on this uh uh, podcast so um great great game really fun game the Warriors brought intensity last night they had energy um they were just really focused they wanted it you can tell they wanted it to win it and so great game and so many different players contributed to it so many different players and so we spent a lot of time already talking about Jordan Poole in the first segment but he I would say if you're looking at like everyone's contributions obviously he was the number one um just in terms mm-hmm. of that he did best 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 player last night but let's get into some of the other guys who really helped in that victory um let's start with Ty Jerome I know he's someone who you're very big on you think now I want to know if I understand this cor- correctly do you believe I know you ultimately believed he may get signed but is that this year do you think he should get that final roster spot or are you just saying like in general
1: um I think this year like he should be the guy that they convert and I think that's for a couple reasons one we've seen You know, I I know that Steve Kerr really relies on Anthony Lamb as a rotation guy, but we've seen Patrick Baldwin make some contributions. You know, Jermichael Green is back, and, you know, they're not all one-to-one comparable players, but I think you have more depth at the forward spots now that you're comfortable with. And I think just having, like, that fifth guard that can come in, take offensive responsibility, he can legitimately generate for himself and for others – and he still holds up defensively. Like he's, he's
2: a really him. strong.
1: Uh
2: yeah. Uh unlike him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows uh. who tunes into the show regularly. I'm not a fan of his. Um, but you did a great thread on him and some of his defensive lapses. Um, and I'd like you after we're done with 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 um Ty to talk a little bit about how he hurts the team defensively because I think people just see his offense every night but I think it would be like yeah. a really good like education experience I'm sorry I interrupted you but let's, let's, let's <laughs> No, of course Ty.
1: no always always good to link up with a fellow Anthony Lamb disrespecter um <laughs> but <laughs> uh yeah, so I think the thing with Ty that makes like talking about last night, you know, the guy comes in and plays 40 minutes after basically just playing spot minutes in the last few games. Like he got a couple DNPs, you know, he's not the more consistent rotation player, but the fact that he can just come in and be that ready and look that prepared is so huge. Like he can just make so many big shots. Um, The thing that's so crazy to me too, is like, he has his athletic limitations. You know, he's not the Jordan Poole type where he can just make one or two dribble moves and go right downhill, but it doesn't matter because his floater floater is so good. (laughs) I (laughs) know.
2: It's like automatic now. You know, it's like that floater's going up. He's probably making it. There was there was one last night. I think it was like in the third
1: quarter where he goes he goes for like a turnaround, like around the elbow. And he just shot it with one hand. Like he just completely drops his guide hand and just shoots the floater and cans it from like 16, 17 feet. And I'm just like, man, you can't you can't teach touch like that. And you can't let players that have that kind of skill get away from you so easily. You know? Yeah.
2: Like, I, um, when I was in the Bay, like I went, I got to go to a Warriors practice and at the end he was shooting around with stuff. And I think that, is actually telling that he's the player, you know, shooting with Steph, you know, at the end of practice, Um, probably bodes well for him, (laughs) you know, like obviously just like you're learning from the best, but also that like they're doing that together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy is, the guy is just a shooting and kind of touch talent that they haven't had in a long time. You know, obviously Minutes play a factor here in the total attempts, but he's still sitting on fifty, forty, ninety for the season. Like that's just so much efficiency. Um, and you consider like I feel like more reliable than
2: people like Brad Wanamaker and um, Evil Steph, right? Evil Steph,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't want to say I don't want to say anything about Evil Steph because
2: he might pull up on me. <laughs> like he's known to. <laughs>
1: Really?
2: Um, Do a lot of people know who we're talking about when we say evil stuff, in case anyone doesn't know? <laughs> oh, man.
1: But, um, yeah, I think, like, when you look at, you know, like, a two-way contract is not the guys you expect to contribute heavily. So when you can find a real roster player out of one of those spots, then that's huge. And speaking of those two ways, um with you know the whole Anthony Lamb thing is frustrating for so many reasons like i i know i don't have to tell you about all the off the court stuff i would hope that
2: we've discussed it on there as well
1: yeah yeah um and obviously that's disappointing for the organization but
2: Sorry.
1: yeah beyond all that um you know i think i think i've tried to make it pretty clear like when i go through my analysis i try to be objective as possible about all of these players um and I'm that's very deliberate. Know, that's
2: what's gonna kind of make you a good writer and journalist, because I don't really care about objectivity, but <laughs> I mean I do to an extent, but I don't like no nah, get get that man off the squad. But go ahead. This is this is why I have people like you to balance me out and Justin. You guys are much more fair than me.
1: Well, and see that's where I have there can always be like exceptions to the rule, you know. And to me, you know, I'm like if I have any sort of platform. I'm not going to use it to promote this guy in any positive way. So, you know, when I see him, like, I I try to, you know, clip everything that I find relevant and especially for each individual player. Um, But if he makes a good play, you're not going to see it on my page. That's just not, that's not how I'm going to operate. And beyond all that off the court stuff, he's just incredibly frustrating to watch. Uh, I think, you know, we've seen, the offensive contributions here and there you know he can make some threes when they ask for it but it's just so reckless defensively like we saw you know especially in that Wizards game like when Steph had to chew him out for the second time he just did not seem to be receptive to no no and okay I'm sorry I was floored by that but go ahead I forget if it was you or Justin. I was talking. I was like, "Yeah, if Steph talks to you, step one: shut up and listen. And yeah. there is no step two. Like, you listen to him. And especially because that was the second instance. Like early in the first quarter, you know, they try to run like a screen action with Porzingis, and he's just, you know, grabbing a handful of jersey and like pushing the guy, and then they call it. And then, you know, like in the third, fourth, whenever it was, he does it again, and Steph gets furious.
2: And then also because Steve coach called you out two games before that, then Draymond Green called you out the game before that as well. So you have Draymond Green, the best defensive player of this generation. You have your coach and now you have Steph Curry on the court, which is a very rare thing for Steph to do. I mean, just the fucking audacity. yo! Like I'm I'm, like.
0: I know,
2: man, I, I, we said last episode or maybe two episodes ago that we were not going to talk about him again, but I I think what I really want you to help answer, because I think you'd probably be able to better explain it than me is what is it about him? Cause let's, let's, let's take away the off the court stuff for a moment. Why is it that people think that he's the better two-way guy and he's the one who should get signed? Why do they think he has so much value when in reality he doesn't?
1: So I think that's where you sort of see the divide of, um, you know, I love like, I love so many people who just have like the ability to like look at the game and, you know, I don't expect everyone to go like crazy in depth on it. So I don't fault people when they kind of just look at the box score and see, oh, he had 12 points and, you know, he was like a plus seven. So he must've done something right. Um but it's the things like between the lines that don't show up on the box score that get really bad, and I think you saw, you know, after um, after that Boston game, my guy Joe Verai, who's just like the goat of yep. breaking
2: down these Warriors. Yeah, I've, um, I've I've had Joe on the Legacy podcast of this on that two times. Like, yeah. love talking to him. Great, great. He's Follow Joe. Amazing. Read his work.
1: Yeah, at Joe Verai NBA, if you're not following him already, you've made a mistake. But uh, he broke down that, like, the Warriors have such a problem. And it's really a league-wide problem with overhelping, but they do it a lot. And that's the thing for me is, like, you see, you know, like, I I hear people say, like, oh, he plays with so much energy defensively. But if you don't direct that energy to the right ways, like, then you're not being productive. That's
2: like Pat Beverly. I mean, it's like all these guys – and I get it because he's actually won Defensive Awards, so people may not get it. But there, there are these – Dillon Brooks, there, there are some of these players who are, like, known for being great defenders. And a lot of times they're not actually playing good defense. And they're, they're fouling all the time. Um, but they growl and make noise and, I don't know, <laughs> look like they're fucking doing something when they're not.
1: <laughs> no, I agree. And, like,
2: uh, I think with a guy like
1: Lamb – When he – especially that play that Draymond called out um, where they had the charge overturned uh, down at the end of that Wizards game, uh, they said so explicitly after the game, they're like, there's one guy on this team who is allowed to help off the strong side corner. And that's it, Draymond, no one else. And – yeah, and so even though he does get in and he makes the rotation and he takes a charge, like – it's not about the result. It's about like the process that he completely abandoned the shooter in the corner, just trying to intercept this drive. And I think that's sort of the microcosm of him on defense because he takes these incredibly risky gambles, like trying to make
2: the big play and he usually doesn't and it burns them a lot. Can you explain why Draymond is the only person who should be allowed to do that and why?
1: Yeah, so I mean, just as a basic principle, like if a guy is driving and you have a shooter stationed in the corner, you want that help coming from the weak side, because it's a much tougher pass to make across the court to the other corner. So typically, if Draymond's the guy in that strong corner, he's the one who's kind of allowed to have a little freedom, because not only he's incredible with his positioning and with his rotations... But he's also smart enough to, like, conserve his momentum so he can, you know, like, sort of dig the drive a bit and then still get back out to the corner and contest the shot. So that's why they trust him to do that.
2: His wingspan because... is also um, <laughs> much more than than Anthony Lamb. So, like, the contest is going to yeah. be better <laughs> than yours, even if you do get back over there.
1: But, like, it's even it's even the purpose, you know, where, like, Draymond – has some possessions where, you know, he's stationed sort of in between the rim and the corner yeah. and the driver comes in and he just takes two steps inwards knowing that's going to trigger the pass back out to the corner, but he's already anticipated that. So he's already going back out to the yeah. corner because right. he knows exactly what he did. Exactly. Lamb, Lamb does not do that. He's just running in to stop the driver and then the pass gets made and he's like, oh shit, I got to go gotta back him. out to the
2: corner. And it's, and it's a lap
1: yeah, exactly. And I think you've seen like he can have some solid on-ball defensive reps, but I think that's the thing that that that's the thing that I think points more to the 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 state of this roster right now is the mistakes that he makes would get him pulled by Steve Kerr so quickly if they had any other option. Like Kerr must just be so fed up watching him take unnecessary fouls, like make bad turnovers, like the same things that got Moses Moody benched and have kept him benched for a long time, but Moses can't, you know, play a small ball. Are are.
2: even as egregious as his? I don't feel like they are.
1: No, I don't think they are as egregious. You know, he's still a sophomore player. You know, he makes mistakes and, you know, I understand when people say, hey, like, Lamb's not, you know, that much older than him. Um, but it it just comes down to the position. Like, if you switched it and, you know, Moses was, like, six foot seven and can kind of play the four, he'd be getting all the minutes. It's purely just Positional. what is happening with this roster and the depth.
2: I would prefer Kerr than use PBJ. Than, I, I really would. I, mm-hmm. I guess – I I cannot get it with Anthony Lamb. And I say that because I don't think PBJ's mistakes would be any worse than Lamb's. And at least you have like an actual legit shooter because I think Lamb shooting is fake. I think you have a legit shooter. You have a bigger body. I just, I, I, I detest this, this, this player being on the team. Um, and so like, I think one of the important things though, just to like wrap up this Lamb conversation, cause it's more than I want to talk about him. Um, so when people are just like but you know he's doing all this other stuff on offense right because I've heard people brought up like Jordan Poole and I'm I'm just floored because it's like Anthony Lamb is in no way giving you what, what Jordan is like from an offensive standpoint. So please, let's stop that. And when I always say he's going to give up anything he gives you on offense because it's like between the fouls and the negative plays, like many times when he comes on the floor, the other team goes on runs, right? So that like that's what it is. It's like all of his mistakes, even if you don't always see it in the form of oh, he fouled someone. It's because of all the defensive mistakes he makes, that other team can like just go on Run and get back in the game, and that has a lot to do with him being out there on the court.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Right. And I'm I'm glad you brought up PBJ, too, because I think, you know, when you look at a guy like him, uh, especially when you're almost always playing before, um, you know, his job is not to, like, contain guys. Like, he can, he can do some pretty solid, like, all right, I've got the mismatch. Um, this guard's trying to take me to the hoop but I know where my help is. So I'm just going to like steer him the right direction. And that's the right play. You know, like it's not his job to shut people down. It's his job to not get killed when he's switching. And when he's off the ball, you know, he's able to make some impact rotations. Like he can come over and block shots. He can get himself in the passing lanes, Uh, especially with the G League team. He's shown himself to be like a pretty impact rebounder for a four. So I think when you look at that, um the value of a guy who plays within himself and knows what he is but is still able to make some impact because he can provide a couple rotations and you know finish off possessions which is something that this team has struggled with all year
2: yeah
1: I think that's a there's, there's a lot of value there like defensively and oh, yeah. then on the yeah.
2: coach's son high IQ player yeah.
1: yeah coach's son like you said like he's he's really smart um I think you know you've you've probably seen it being around the team. Like he's such a quiet, determined guy. <laughs> like uh, it really cracked me up last night. Like la- I think it was the f- I-, I don't know if I've ever seen him tweet before. <laughs> um, yes, but it was, yeah, it
2: was- Andre even commented. I don't know if you saw Andre's reply to him. He's yeah. Like, it was a great tweet complimenting Ty Jerome for his floaters.
1: Exactly. Um, but you know I think he's got that quiet determination. Then on the offensive floor. You know, like one of the one of the things that does consistently work when they try to like run things with with Lamb is when you have like guards set those pin in screens in the corner and you can just get a wide open corner three because you know they're usually assuming oh the ball's gonna go to Steph or right. to pool. So they cut inside, they set a quick screen, he shoots the three. That exact play could be run so well for Patrick Baldwin Jr. Exactly.
2: And that's the only thing yeah. I was, that's probably what he's best at just that catch and shoot three in the corner. Um, Because anytime he attempts to like create for himself <laughs> or, or take someone like one-on-one, like, I'm just like, what are you doing right now? This is it. And it always ends in disaster. Like, like 90% of the time. Uh, um Yeah.
1: Well, well with guys like him too, I think what's important is, you know, he's not going to be the guy where they're like, yeah, you know, Pat, run this pick and roll. Like, Pat, take this guy in isolation. But when you're that good of a shooter, you need to be able to identify, like, how to attack a certain closeout. And either when you force, like, a tight closeout or some guy goes way over a screen or you have the really long closeouts, you need to pick those spots to, like, get downhill. And he's, got, he, he's got good touch. So he can, you know, he can attack the tilted defense. Like, he can take advantage of rotations. And... That's the guy they need him to be. So that's...
2: And my point is more so that he would be smart enough to know not to do those things, right? It's it's not even so yeah. matter of like, does he have the ability? To, but it's like, he'll know, like, I should not try to do this. <laughs> and like, that that's right. where like, your IQ matters so much. And well, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I'm trying not to be... <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 so cool to seeing the IQ
1: out of a rookie. Like he's a young yeah. guy, and you know, I don't I don't think it's unreasonable to say he's sort of played himself into being one of the prospects that they feel better about. Um, you know, I think we've seen Jordan Poole, like they've paid him. He's going to be here. Jonathan Kaminga, we know he brings some unreal defense and he's really starting to find sort of his groove offensively. But Baldwin just looks like a guy that they could really, really use. And especially considering the state of this roster, you know, I don't want to delve too deep into however many timelines there may be. But when things are like, when this roster is so expensive and, you know, unless you make some really poor decisions in the off season, it's going to stay that way. Yeah. So you need guys who are not only like controllable, but cheap. Yeah. So if you're looking at Patrick Baldwin and you're like, Hey, he can contribute down the stretch. And then for the next three years, we're still able to have him on the roster for like a pretty reasonable rate. That's, that's something you really need to explore because even if, even if you think lamb can offer some of the same things he does, lamb is on a two way. He's not signed for next year. And you didn't just draft him in the first round. So I think there's some sort of impetus to see what you have in PBJ right now, as opposed to waiting and seeing, okay, let's, you know, kind of yo-yo him around the G League, and then we'll see if he can compete for a spot next year. Like, no, I think you got to let him roll now and, you know, give him 10, 12 minutes a night.
2: I was going to say, I would like to see him continue to get spot minutes throughout the rest of this season. And, um, you know, just speaking of people like the reason why like I my, my ears, I mean, I'm listening to you, but like they really perked up when you said like, <laughs> you kind of showed, you know, because I felt like Moses Moody showed that last year. And I felt like there was so much more excitement around him. Um, and I don't just mean from fans, but I mean also from like the organization and it just, fe- it just feels like he's taken a step back this year. And I don't think he's lost his ability, but I don't, I don't, you know, Justin and I talk about this often. I worry about how much, like, this has now gotten into his psyche because when he's out there playing, yeah. it looks like he's playing not to make a mistake, you know? And, like, you would have loved to see last night be the type of game where, like, he steps up and shows a little bit more what he was could do. Um, and it just didn't happen. And I just, I just worry because I do think he is a talent.
1: Yeah, I think the thing, too, is uh, uh, one of my favorite terms that comes from all the draft people have uh, interacted with is academy brain. Like they talk about guys who come out of, you know, Moses was at Montverde. Like he was at one of the top schools uh, going into his time at Arkansas. But so many of the guys that go through those academies, um, they're conditioned to make the right pass, but not always the risky one. And so you see guys like him sort of be a little conservative with their playmaking, And then I think you saw when he actually tried to like play a little outside of it, you know, it was struggles. Like he was making bad turnovers, but this team couldn't afford to let him play out those mistakes. And I think he's, he's sort of where the rubber meets the road with this whole two timelines thing, because I think him more than anyone just needs to be out there playing through those mistakes. And that's how his development would work. But at the same time, you know, can Golden State go out and give him 15, 20 minutes a night to play through these things and see if there's a player
2: in there? Because so then send him back th- to the G League, too. I mean, I'm not even trying right. to be funny because at this point, he's just sitting on the bench, you know? And how is that helping him?
1: Yeah, I think that or, you know, I think it makes him a really obvious... Them trade candidate yeah I don't,
2: I don't want to trade moses moody i don't but it's just like you're really hurting his growth i do i feel that i feel bad for him
1: yeah i do too because you know you want to see a guy like him out there having some of a leash and you know being able to do all these things but you know at the same time what we've seen so far and you know the reason why i brought up what pbj does where it's like hey he can make a lot of shots he can maybe attack a closeout out now and then he can get you some boards um Moses is kind of in that, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, where like the shooting's good at times, but sometimes it's not there. And, you know, he can kind of make some plays, but, you know, it's a little here and there. He's not a huge impact rebounder. Um, the defense is – it's a little tough, you know, because he's a little too slow-footed to deal with those quicker guards. Um, And – I think figuring out, you know, how to play up defensively, like especially on bigger wings is something that takes time. And that just comes back to, they don't have the time to give him. And like, that's not, that's not a huge knock on Moses. And I don't think it's a huge knock on the coaching staff either, because, you know, if you're Steve Kerr, there are only so many sort of like variables that you want on a given night. So if you're like thinking, I don't really know what we're going to get from Moses tonight. If we play him, then I understand why he's you know been sitting on the bench, and that goes back to yeah, like find a trade for him where you can bring in someone you can trust to contribute right now and maybe for the future, or you know put him in the G League a little bit, let him get some confidence back, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so that's you know that's sort of where I said out from him like I like him as a player I think he's got a future in the league but I just don't know that Golden State has the sort of opportunity to give him right now
2: okay <laughs> <sighs> all right um it's a good time to break but before we do um, just any anyone else that you think needs to be shouted out from last night we talked about loon a little bit and what he did in the game. Um, we got into great detail on Jordan and tide. Um, and we even spoke about lamb, not to praise him, but I know people will still think he did a lot last night. So we got to that. Jermichael green thoughts on him last night.
1: I mean, he showed, you know, he can still, he can still hit a three now and then he can impact the glass. Um, I like his cutting. Like that's sort of the one thing that I think really works in this offense is, He's really good at finding those soft spots in the defense, um, getting behind into like the dunker spot, or you know, moving baseline out of the corners. Uh, I love seeing that, and Dante Divincenzo as well. Of He's
2: there's not enough about him.
1: Yeah, no, he really he really impacted, um, especially in that third quarter. Like, I wanted to bring that up too. Like, I think they were up five at halftime, and Dante was a huge catalyst where. Um, I wanted to look back and check because I was like, I'm not sure if it was like this crazy, but uh, the first 11 possessions of the second half, Warriors go three for three on twos, five of six on threes, and they only turned it over once. Oh my goodness. And Cleveland, Cleveland turned it over four times in those first 11 because of Dante. Like he was everywhere. He was just harassing Darius Garland. Like he was breaking things up in the passing lanes. Yeah. he got out in transition too. And he's just the kind of player they need you know someone who really holds up at the point of attack uh can make some real impact defensive plays his shot looks great he can do some playmaking stuff so man like that that was really just such a great pickup they made and you know as much as people have harped on the ones that got away in free agency like they really nailed that one
2: yeah well i mean yeah that conversation anyway um (laughs) Kaminga um like was he was solid um looked like someone coming back from injury but you you definitely Kaminga to me is like he belongs in the playoff rotation he's like that eighth guy so um I don't really have much on him I did want to just go back to Jermichael though really quickly um I've been sort of out on Jermichael, and I'm not saying like last night made me like a believer in him, but I did think that was one of the other reasons. I don't think I said this specifically why I thought the Warriors could win this game, because I I felt like it was like a lot of the younger guys, but it also was enough like more veteran players, if you consider Dante that, and Jamichael, um, where the Cavs are good, but they're still young. Like they're they're mm-hmm. still – they're, they're not yet at that pinnacle of like, you know, like Darius Garland's a great young guard, but he still has things. So like Jamichael Green has enough like experience that he could take advantage of that, I think, in a way that maybe he wouldn't be able to against the more experienced team. So I think it, it, it boded well for them that the second night of the back-to-back, if it was going to be a team, was a team that was sort of struggling and younger where like you can still maybe take advantage of some things that they're just not as great at yet.
1: Yeah, for sure. You you love to have a veteran guy in when you're playing those teams that you know, Cleveland is so loaded on talent. But like you said, you know, so many of their players are really coming into their own. And especially with Donovan Mitchell out, you know, he's still I don't know, twenty six, twenty-five. I don't know how old anyone is anymore, but uh he's so consistent. And so when you take that out of the lineup, like this team they struggled to find that identity, and the Warriors found it right away. So that that's really what won them the game, is having that experience and having an exact plan for what they were going to do, and they didn't panic when Cleveland made their runs. So, yeah, it was, it was huge having a guy like that in. You know, I'm not – it's going to take a lot for me to be fully back in on him as, like, a potential yeah, contributor, but, yeah.
2: <laughs> but he yeah. did what he needed to do last night, and if he keeps doing that, then – Maybe he could get me back on his side, but I'm not there either. <laughs> Look, Charlie, and I agree on a lot. Um, you're tuned into Golden Spaces and Odyssey Original podcast. It's Charlie. Charlie coming. <laughs> and Nat, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>